0: Well, good morning. It's great to have you here. If you're joining us online, welcome as well. Uh, real quick, before we jump into the message this morning, um, as we close out 2019, we're kind of doing some housekeeping within our office, uh, and one of the pieces of that is we are just updating and making sure our partnership list, our part Partnership? That's a bigger word than I thought. Partnership list is all up to date. Um, so if you feel like you've taken our partnership class at some point, uh, would you just drop by the kiosk, make sure your name is on that list, just check mark it that you were there. Um, if you don't see your name on that list, uh, you might want to just say, oh yeah, actually I did take the class, I forgot to sign the document, or you can sign up for our next partnership class, will be happening in January. So. Anyway, okay, housekeeping done. Um, We are in our series called Thriving Through the Holidays, and and what we recognize is that this next week, many of us, most of us, we're going to sit down to some very amazing food, right? Anybody planning on doing that? Right? Okay, good. If you're not, why not? Anyway, uh, so that's going to happen on Thursday. Then on Friday, all kinds of toys and electronics go on sale for Black Friday. So that's coming up. Also on Friday, if you're not aware, the Huskies and the Cougars are going to battle it out for the Apple Cup. And then the fans are all going to battle it out on social media, right? So there's all kinds, of, all kinds of fun, ways to enjoy life, opportunities for relationships to be strengthened. Uh, also a lot of opportunity for anger, financial debt. Hurt feelings. Until yesterday, I was going to say sadness for Washington State fans. If you happened to watch the Huskies last night, you know it might be in doubt. Anyway, uh, lots of things coming up this next week. And over the next Sundays uh, through November and December, my plan with this is to really look at how do we not just survive through the holidays, but how can we really thrive? How do we get into these and really begin to to make the most of these next couple of weeks? And, And really, in order to make that happen, it comes when you and I choose to pursue what truly is important and really remind ourselves what matters. And really invest ourselves into saying, how can I honor Jesus with all of the pressure that still comes from these and all of the things that are going on? How do I still live my life and handle myself in such a way that honors Jesus? And so we've been covering lots of different topics, and and I'm excited about the last morning. We're going to really dive into the Christmas story and embracing some of the random moments that happen in that and really see how God is working in miraculous ways. But this morning, uh, I want to talk about something that I think is pretty critical. Really important for us to look at in our lives, how do we get past bitterness? How do we get past some of the bitterness that, that might be preventing us from, from what we can really enjoy about these holidays? And how do, we not only, how do we not only get past it, but how do we prevent it from happening as we move through these next couple of days? So let's sort of set the theme. I want to look at a letter that was written to a group of people. Uh, it was written to the Hebrews. Nobody's really positive who wrote it. Um, but Hebrews, it's on the screen. It's in your message notes. Uh, this was what we read in Hebrews 12. It says this. It says, Make every effort to live in peace with everybody and to be holy. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Get that first part again. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and be holy. Um, My guess is that in your life, you've noticed some people that, that put a lot of effort into that, right? Put a lot of effort to live at peace with everyone. And you've probably also dealt with some people that, that heard that and thought it was opposite day, right? Like, oh, okay, we're gonna not do that, right? You've experienced people that they, they just seem to like, if there's a chance to fight, they're gonna fight, right? We, we've experienced those things. And what it's telling us is do everything that you can, see to it, see to it that you live at peace with everyone and as much as you can help, e- help each other not fall short of the grace of God, see to it that no bitter root, grows up and causes trouble see to it that that's not happening in our lives because ultimately when that bitter root starts to grow it causes trouble and it defiles many and i'm convinced that our spiritual enemy wants nothing more than to just destroy your relationships and destroy my relationships and and begin to poison our hearts by establishing a root of bitterness that can grow and cause trouble because what we know is that god desires for us to live lives that extend love And our enemy wants to kill our desire to love and and destroy the intimacy of relationships. We know that God wants us to develop and grow in our ability to trust him and trust others. And yet our enemy wants to do everything to steal our ability to trust. And he wants to cause us to to enter into a state of bitterness. And I believe that, that our spiritual enemy, that Satan wants to do everything he possibly can do to begin to plant within you just a little seed of offense, just, he just wants you to be offended just a little tiny bit. If you can just be offended just a little bit, then it'll grow into a root of bitterness. Think about it in a small way. It could be something really small, right? You send your friend a text message. You shoot him a text, and they don't text you right away, right? Like, we've gotten to the place where a text message should come right back, and you send that text, and then you're watching your phone, and you're like, oh, it went through because you can see the bubbles, right and you're like oh they should be they're they're writing something they're doing something and then all of a sudden it doesn't come through and you're like what's going on and, and this little seed of offense begins to develop and it starts to grow into a root of bitterness maybe, maybe it's around the christmas meal maybe every single year you have for the last 10 years you have always brought the seven layer salad right like that's your thing you are the master of the seven layer salad and the person hosting christmas this year they called and they said hey um this year for for dinner could you bring uh red jello with banana slices oh boy and and you've, you you tried to get over it but you're just a little offended i mean like you're starting to think well what's wrong with my seven layer salad did did i get the layers in the wrong order and so then that little seed of offense begins to grow, and that, that little root of bitterness starts to take place. And you sit there, and you look at your seven, the other person that brought their seven-layer salad, and you're like, no, oh, they, they didn't use the right bacon bits or whatever. Maybe it's more significant than that. Maybe there's somebody that lied about you or, or deceived you, or, or maybe you heard that somebody was talking bad about you behind your back, and, and this little seed of offense begins to develop into a root of bitterness. Maybe there's that relative that they just always seem to be critical. It doesn't matter what you do. Everything you do, it's just not right. Maybe it's the way you raise your kids, or maybe it's the way that you spend your money. Maybe it's where you go to church, and you're just sort of sick and tired of the criticism. You're like, every year, why do they always have to pick on me? It could be another person that just takes advantage of you or or misleads you or betrays you. And you realize that this this seed of offense has started to take root and this bitterness is starting to grow. So what do we do with that? Let me give you the key thought for how we're going to look at this and then begin to look at how do we actually overcome bitterness so we can truly thrive through this. So the key thought is this. Understand and recognize that you and I, you can't control what people do. But you can control how you respond. You have no ability to control what people think of you. You have no ability to control what people say to you. You have no ability to control what people do to you. But the good news is that if we recognize that through God's help, He will give us the power to control how we respond to what people do, we can begin to move through and overcome bitterness. And my guess is that, that the timing of this makes a lot of sense. As we think about this ne- in these next couple of weeks, and as we think about Christmas, and as we think about Thanksgiving, I think a lot of us, some people get super excited about it, and some people can't wait for it to be over. Because wherever you're at in your emotional state right now, if wherever you're feeling, however things are going, these next couple of weeks, these next, this next month, will magnify how you're feeling. So let's say life is going really well, and things are falling into place, and and this week when you sit down to eat that turkey and stuffing, it's going to taste extra good. And when you go to see Christmas lights, they're going to twinkle a little bit brighter. Carbs are going to be a little bit sweeter. Christmas, just a touch more magical, a little bit more awesome. But if in your life right now you're experiencing some drama, maybe there's some relational tension... Maybe there's some financial problems. The holidays have the ability to magnify that pain. And next week, there's a chance that there's going to be a lot of pressure. You're going to sit down, and you're going to be in the presence of some of the people that are the most important in your life. You're going to gather around a table with other people, and you're going to spend some time with some of your closest friends, your closest family. And our spiritual enemy will want to do nothing more than just to get in and plant a little seed of offense just to rob a little bit of your joy, just to steal a little bit of the the moment and maybe begin to start some bitterness. Because somebody does just a little thing and just... And so it's so important that if we're going to be able to overcome bitterness, what we have to understand is what kind of a problem it creates. And begin to understand that we have to move past it and we have to anticipate it. And begin to see what it is that we can do to free ourselves of Bitterness. And a part of that is remembering, you and I, we can't control what people do, but we can control how we respond and what we do in response to what they say to us. Because sometimes, doesn't it just feel good to be angry? Have you ever just like, "Mm, yeah, they offended me and I want to hold on to that one? You and I get to control how we respond. But the problem is, and what we have to understand, is that there's a problem with bitterness, there's some problems that come in our lives when we choose to hold on to bitterness. And what Hebrews is saying is, listen, see to it that no root, no bitter root grows up. No, don't allow it to cause trouble in your life. I love the fact that he uses the word root to describe bitterness. I don't know if you growing up, if you, did any of you love to climb trees? Any climb tree climbers in here? man I love climbing trees we grew up we had this amazing tree in our front yard and my brothers and we'd climb high and we'd actually jump from one branch to another branch and then swing down it was a heart attack for my mom but we loved it it was amazing and then sometimes we would be out and we would find like a great big oak tree I don't know, oak trees are amazing they got these huge branches and you can you can climb all real high in it and it's just amazing and it if you've ever been in a tree, you're like, man, this is so fun and it's amazing. You know, they, they have no problem holding up a little kid or whatever. But then, all of a sudden, there's a windstorm one day. And you see the wind just blowing through the tree and shaking the branches. And it's like, man, it should just blow over. Why isn't this tree blowing over? Well, we've all taken basic biology or whatever in science. We all know they have these vast root systems. And all of the strength and all of the support that keeps that tree up, all based on the roots that we can't even see Underground, Do you know that if you take an oak tree, an alive, um, a mature oak tree, and you took all of the roots out, which now it's not a live oak tree, but if you took all of the roots out and you were to line them all up, the big ones and the little ones, if you lined up all of the roots in an oak tree, it would extend for more than a mile. All from one tree. All of the structure, all of the support, all underground, not to be seen. And what the author is pointing out is there's a problem. He's saying, listen, bitterness bitterness has a dangerous root what he's saying is listen see to it that no bitter root gets started and the warning is this you can't always see what is underneath the surface and if we allow that root to get started what happens is it can slowly grow deeper and deeper and wider and larger so don't even let it get started He's saying, don't even allow that that structure to begin to be developed that that can support a mindset and an approach that's negative and angry. Just stop it right away. He's like, see to it that no bitter root gets started and causes trouble. And for most of us, many of us, we've experienced that hurt in our life or that that disappointment, that time where we were let down and, and that little bit of anger started. And sometimes we don't even know that it's still there. It's inside of us. We think we've moved on. We think we've passed it up. We think we've moved on from that, and it's not in our life, and we think we weren't offended by it, and we think, okay, we've moved on. But sometimes that offense has started a root that we don't even see. Several years back, maybe five years ago, there was this uh pastor in town and his wife oftentimes wanted to go visit other churches and and the whole reason was it was really hard for her on the, at their church for her to go and really you know engage in worship she always had this pressure of being a pastor's wife and and so from time to time she would go visit other churches in linwood and she would go to their services and and the whole idea was it was an opportunity for her to be refreshed and renewed so one particular morning she came to silver creek She happened to come to Silver Creek on a morning that we were doing a fusion production, so it was lively, and kids were involved, and it was an amazing morning, and and it was just this great time where we were celebrating families. So she happened to come to Silver Creek that morning. Next week, I get an email from her husband telling me how much we had ruined his wife's day telling us how we weren't clear about our website, how, how what she experienced wasn't fitting what she needed, how she had, she had gone to our church and hoped that she would be renewed and refreshed, and we just wasted her time. I was so, in a holy way, ticked off. I was so frustrated. I, I wrote this amazing email that I didn't send. Oh, Basically, over time, I just started to realize, it's not worth my time. Like, I don't need to justify, I don't need to explain why we, I, God has called us to do this, we're doing what we're doing, and so we kind of laughed it off as a staff, and I, I just moved on. I was like, whatever, done, don't care. Earlier this year, I received an email from the same pastor, saying, hey, listen, uh, I want to connect, we want to talk ministry, How can we? how can we support each other, how can we connect, you know, how can we oh my goodness, the anger that rose up inside of me, (laughs) the words that I wanted to say revealed that a bitter root had been established. I didn't even know it was there. I had so moved on. I was so, I didn't care. And all of a sudden I was just super ticked again. And this emotional response of just wanting to lash out. And here's the funny thing. It wasn't even the same guy. It was a new pastor just at the same church with the same ending to his email. I just, so luckily I didn't send him an email either. But um, <laughs> I, The good thing about it, I got some people around here that'll keep me in check before I make a fool of myself. But how I felt confirmed the warning that if we're reading in Hebrews. It says this. It says, See to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble. Oh man, I wanted to cause some serious trouble. Man, my head wanted to verbally spar with this pastor. My heart wanted to physically pound the Holy Spirit into him. <laughs> that bitter root was causing trouble. That bitter root was there. And, and if you're familiar with the words out of 1 Corinthians where it says that love keeps no record of wrong, the opposite is true of bitterness. Man, bitterness keeps a really accurate logbook. Man, any infraction, any misstep, any wrong... Oh, did you see the way they glanced at me? He hurt me, she misled me, they lied to me, they let me down. We don't miss a beat with that. And that bitterness can just start growing and growing under the surface, and we don't always even know that it's there. Sometimes we miss it, and so what we have to do is we have to begin to recognize as soon as that bitterness starts to come, as soon as there's that offense have to decide we're going to take it out we're going to kill it we're not going to allow it to grow we're not going to allow it to establish a grasp in our life because when that bitterness begins to take root when that begins to get a hold of our life if we let it linger if we don't get to it early if we don't take it out earlier the longer we allow it to be there the more difficult it will be to remove and the earlier that we can take it out the more successful we will be so bitterness has a dangerous fruit. The second problem with bitterness is that bitterness produces a poisonous fruit. The author of Hebrews is basically saying, listen, one person harboring an offense, allowing their soul to be bitter can literally cause collateral damage. One person offended can easily begin to be widespread. Look at it again. It says this. It says, see to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. One bitter person can destroy a connect group. One bitter person can ruin an entire church. One bitter person can take down lots of innocent individuals. One bitter person can divide a family. One bitter person can ruin a workplace. Most of us have probably experienced that at some point, where somebody else was bitter and they ruined everything. And so we sit here this morning, and and some of you right now, you're thinking, and you're starting to pray for so-and-so, and and you're like, I sure hope they come to second service. (laughs) Ah, they really need to hear this. And maybe you're already, like, you're you're trying to find the link for this message because you know that person you're going to send it to because you're like, they are really spreading a lot of bitterness. But what we have to realize, the problem with bitterness, it's one of the hardest issues to see in the mirror. And the problem is, is that we feel so justified because we feel this thing, it's hurt us they, if, we, if somebody knew what they did They would understand why I get to be angry about this And we feel so justified and we, and we snuggle up with these feelings of hurt and anger And we actually become comfortable And we become accustomed to living with them And they just become sort of this security blanket And we feel justified in our disdain And in our frustration towards that other person Or towards that situation for how they've wronged us and if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll, we'll come into church where we freely receive forgiveness from God, but then we withhold it from somebody else. Oh, there's that guy. It's such a kiss up at the office. Oh, there's that boss that doesn't appreciate me, never appreciates me, never tells me what I do right. Oh, my spouse never lifts a finger, never helps out around here, never does anything. Maybe it's God. Maybe God didn't do something or he did do something and you're just angry with him. God, why didn't you you come through? And that bitterness begins to grow and then it begins to spread because we talk to other people about it and we tell them our issues and we want them to join in our frustration. Or we just become so miserable to be around that we begin to make life miserable for other people if they're around us. So, what we have to do is we have to say, God, would you begin to reveal any bitterness that's growing beneath the surface? God, would you begin to recognize the bitterness that has to be excavated and has to be removed from my life? God, would you heal me through the power of what you did on the cross where you defeated death? Would you allow that same power to work in me in such a way to begin to ratify or remove the bitterness and that root that's taking hold? So what we have to figure out and what we have to look at and what we need to figure out is what is it that we can do? What are the steps that we need to take to kill the root of bitterness? What are the things that you and I can do to allow ourselves to move past that? I think there's two practical steps that we can take. We actually find them in a letter that was written by one of the early church leaders, a guy by the name of Paul. He was writing to a church in Ephesus, and Paul says this. Paul says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. He says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. He starts out and it sort of grows, right? Get rid of the bitterness. And then it grows to rage. And then it begins to grow to anger. And it gets worse and worse and worse. And he's like, you got to get rid of it. And then he begins to give us the solution. He doesn't really just get rid of it. He gives us a solution. Step number one is this. is We have to kill bitterness with compassion. We kill bitterness through compassion. And my guess is that in many of our hearts this morning as we sit here, there's a tension that's growing. Because you're starting to recognize that there was somebody that offended you. There's an offense that you've been carrying, maybe for a long time. And you felt very justified in carrying that offense. And as we look at this and as we see this, you're starting to recognize, you're starting to understand that in order to kill that offense or to kill that bitterness, the way to get through that is you have to operate and you have to extend compassion, likely towards the person that hurt you. (coughs) And if you just felt like you got kicked in the gut, you probably did. But here's a little secret about the laws of heaven. They are like always opposite of our human nature. If you don't remember, Jesus said, "Hey, if you want to be great, serve." That's opposite. Jesus said, "If somebody strikes you, don't strike them back." He said, "Turn the other cheek." It's opposite. If you want to kill the root of bitterness, don't lash out. Extend kindness and compassion. It's opposite. Paul basically writes another letter to another church and basically says the exact same thing, which is awesome that he keeps his message consistent. He says this. He says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We see this play out all the time in people's lives. We see a person who who suffers through a childhood disease or an illness. And one person that goes through that, they come out and they are bitter and angry. They spend the rest of their life lashing out at people, feeling sorry for themselves, thinking that, that they're owed this right, that they get to be rude and they get to be short with people because of what happened to them. And then other people come out of that same situation, a childhood illness or a childhood disease, and they say, you know what? I'm not going to let this hold me back. I'm going to live my life as full as possible. This is not going to define who I am. And they look for ways to encourage people to go through similar situations. They find ways to give of themselves. They look for ways to extend grace to people that maybe don't understand their illness or their limitations. And they decide to overcome the bitterness that they could claim by being compassionate and kind. Or maybe there's the person that gets laid off. They've been at their job for a while, and for whatever reason, their company lays them off. Some people take that chance as an opportunity to hate the world, to see everyone else is out to get them. Being laid off opens the door for them to get to be cruel and mean and harsh. They decide, you know what, I'm not going to work hard anymore. Last time, look what I got. That didn't work out so well. Blame others and constantly pointing out how the world's treated them unfairly. Then you take a person that went through that exact same situation and they acknowledge the disappointment, they acknowledge it's a setback, and then they decide, you know what? I'm not going to prevent this from this, keep, prevent me from living. I'm going to find ways to be generous and kind, even in the middle of this struggle. They decide, you know what? Somebody at my company probably had a tough decision to make. And they decide, you know what, I'm going I'm to choose to respond. I'm not going to speak poorly of my former boss or my former company. They say, you know what, God, thank you for this opportunity to go learn some new skills and some new career. And I'm going to do whatever I can, and I'm going to overcome the bitterness that I could claim. And I'm going to choose to be compassionate and kind. And any single person can choose to do that. But for those of us that have had an encounter with Jesus, if you've experienced the love and compassion that Jesus offers... That's an opportunity for you and I to lean in, to find a healing, to find an opportunity to overcome that bitterness because of what Jesus has done for us, to lean into the compassion that he's offered to us, to lean into that and begin to recognize that Jesus has the ability to take a past misery and turn it into a God-planned ministry where you and I can take the pain that we've experienced and begin to utilize that to pour into the other people's lives and extend it as compassion to somebody else. And we've got people all over this church that have taken those moments in life that could have been very bitter, and they've decided to snuff out the bitterness by deciding to extend compassion and kindness. Because what we know is our spiritual enemy wants to destroy us by causing us to be bitter. And God wants to take that opportunity for you and I to be bitter and allow us to flip it around and do the opposite. Because God wants to turn evil into good. And God has the ability to, for you and I to kill bitterness by extending compassion. We can overcome evil by doing good. We can decide that we're going to find the solution rather than continuing the problem. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 6. Jesus said, Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. If you and I truly want to kill the root of bitterness, if we truly want to lock into that, if we want to be able to get beyond being miserable, we have to pray for those that have mistreated us. And we have to bless those that have cursed us. And that compassion begins to uproot bitterness that may have started in our lives. And we can begin to move past that. Second step, if we want to kill the root of bitterness, the second step to killing bitterness is through forgiveness. If you want to overcome bitterness, we have to learn to forgive where that bitterness was created. I read again what Paul wrote. He said, Get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. We need to forgive the same way that God has forgiven us. And here's the great thing. Oftentimes we think, man, if others only knew what had been done to me, if others only knew how I'd been treated, they would recognize I'm not probably able to forgive that. When the offense is so horrible, sometimes it's hard to figure out how we could actually forgive. And so the key to understanding how we forgive when it's so deep and when it's so deep. The offense has been so horrible is to recognize that we're not the ones generating the forgiveness We're not the ones even coming up with the process of forgiving Essentially, we're just passing along what we've already received We have the opportunity to recognize that we get to forgive not because of anything that we've done We get to forgive forgive not because of anything that we deserve We're choosing to forgive because jesus chose to forgive us And out of that forgiveness, now we get to extend that to others. And we get the opportunity to extend that. And when you and I were forgiven, when Jesus forgives us, Jesus forgives us immediately and completely and generously and unconditionally. When Jesus hung on the cross to pay our debt, He wasn't doing anything for Himself. It was all for us. And when Jesus uttered those words that it is finished, He was thinking of you. And he was thinking of me. And as Jesus hung on that cross, he considered it pure joy because he recognized what he was doing was going to allow you and I to experience forgiveness. He endured the embarrassment and the pain of the cross. He allowed himself to be nailed to the cross, dying in our place, so that you and I could be forgiven. And sometimes we struggle to offer forgiveness because we tend to compare and put value on sin. We define sin as any time that we make a choice to break relationship with God or break relationship with another person, either through the words that we say or the actions that we take or the the feelings that we have. So when any of that happens and we break relationship with God or another person, that's a sin in our life. And the problem is we want to compare sin and put values on sin. So maybe maybe there's a little lie at the grocery store. Not quite "Ah, sin. And we don't compare that as much as lying to somebody that we love. Different value. Or we think maybe just being rude takes less forgiveness than stealing somebody's wallet. Whatever it is, we like to put value on sin. And when we can begin to compare sin to what somebody else has done, to compare it to what we've done, we begin to say, well, what they did was so much worse. What they did allows me, it gives me the right to carry my bitterness. It gives me the right to not extend forgiveness. But in the eyes of God, all sin has the same consequence ultimately. In the eyes of God, all sin separates us from Him. All sin has that same ultimate consequence. And so God is saying, listen, in the same way that I have forgiven you, forgive others. And when we come to this idea of recognizing that we have been freely forgiven, it allows us to be able to extend that forgiveness to others. And when we extend that forgiveness to others, it begins to kill that root of bitterness. I encourage you to try this. This next week... There might be a person that's been coming to your mind as you think about bitterness. As you think about the hurt in your life, the hurt that you're holding on to. And there's a chance that you're going to sit down across the table from somebody else this next week. Somebody that hurt you and you've rehearsed in your mind how someday you're going to tell them off. How someday they're going to set you off just enough that you're going to tell them all of the ways that they've hurt you and all of the things that they've done and all the ways that it's not okay that they did that decide that this week you're just not going to hold it against them don't worry about the next time, don't worry about the next holiday, just worry about this one just say for this week I'm going to forgive them, I'm not going to worry about it I'm not going to wait for that opportunity to give my little jab I'm just going to enjoy this moment say God would you help me get through this moment worry about next time next time But this time, just decide, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to remind myself of all that Jesus has done to forgive me and all the things that I've done that I needed forgiveness for. And now I'm going to take a great big deep breath and I'm going to forgive them in this next moment. And then next time, deal with next time. And maybe you just keep doing this as long as you need to do it. Just think, okay, this time, how do I do this? And if you and I want to kill the bitterness that can start to take root, in our lives it comes because we offer forgiveness in the same way that we've been forgiven and one of the best ways for you and I to remember what Jesus has done is to follow what he demonstrated to us where Jesus took some bread and he started to tear it into pieces and then he started to pass it around to his closest friends and as he passed it around he said listen I want you to take this bread and I want you to eat this bread and I want you to remember my body that's going to be broken so that you can have life And then he took a cup and he passed it around the circle And he said, listen, I want you guys to take a drink of this And I want you to do this And I want you to remember That when I died on the cross and my blood was poured out I did it so that you could find forgiveness For the sin in your life And so this morning, in just a moment We're going to receive communion And this morning as you receive communion I want you to remember all that you've been forgiven of And then allow that forgiveness To overflow into your life As you forgive those that have wronged you and as you allow it to begin to take out and crush that root of bitterness. The way it works here is we have three different stations. There's going to be one up here, one here, and then one in the back. You can go to whichever station, whichever one is closest to you or most convenient. All three of them are gluten-free. If that's a thing for you, just go wherever you want. When you get to the front of the line, you can take the cracker and you dip it in the juice and eat. And remember the forgiveness that Jesus has extended to you. You don't have to sign anything. You don't have to join anything. You don't have to go to... If you're here this morning and you believe that Jesus died for you, then we invite you to come and to receive communion. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the forgiveness that you offer us. For all that you've extended to us. For all all the times that we've messed up and yet you just freely forgive again and again and again. So God, would you allow us to recognize the danger of letting bitterness grow up in our hearts and see the opportunity that we have to extend compassion and extend forgiveness to others so that bitterness doesn't grow and doesn't take root in our lives. Help us to embrace that this morning and pursue whatever it is that we need to pursue inside of our heart and our mind to lean into the power of what you did when you died on the cross and then ultimately rose from the dead. God, that same power is available to us as we struggle through and as we we look to overcome the wrongs that have been done to us. Thank you so much for your incredible love and your incredible gift of forgiveness. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.